A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy, to our God who is generous in forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. The word of the Lord. call on him. Every day will I bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is near to all who call on him. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. The Lord is here to all who call on him. The Lord is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The Lord is near to all who call on him. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to, for to me, life is Christ and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. Yet that I remain in the flesh is more necessary for your benefit. Only conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
servant, Lord, speak to me. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon, and around three o'clock, and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You two go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. And on receiving it, so when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also got the usual daily wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. On this, the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we are presented with yet another parable of the Lord Jesus, according to Matthew. And this particular parable is distinctive to Matthew's Gospel. In other words, it appears in no other Gospel. 
And if you notice in the parables that are usually recounted for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, they usually entail some type of uh, economy. So-and-so got three talents, this one got two talents, this one got one talent, or five talents, two and one. It's always some kind of an exchange. And perhaps it's because, as you know, Matthew used to be the tax collector. And so it would stand to reason that as he would hear Jesus teach about the reality of the kingdom of God and God and everything that is pertaining to that reality, he would be naturally attracted to that which appealed to his, his mind, the way his mind worked. He was a money man. He was dollars and cents. And so what we have here is Jesus responding to an issue that has really plagued the Christian community. Actually, we could say people of faith throughout the generations. And that is the way it appears as if God treats his servants so unjustly. That's what it seems to be, that God is unjust towards his servants. And we also have to realize what preceded this 20th chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 16, today's gospel pericope. This is the section of the gospel we're given today. It has been preceded by a rich young man coming to Jesus, asking him, about what was necessary to procure eternal life. Jesus asked him about the commandments. He says, oh, I've kept them since my youth. He says, there's one more thing for you. If you want perfection, go and sell your proceeds. Give those proceeds. Go and sell your possessions. Take the proceeds, give them to the poor, and then you come and follow me. The young man's face fell sad. To which Peter then spoke out and said on behalf of the others, Master, we have left everything to follow you. What can we expect? And of course, Jesus went on to say, I solemnly assure you, there is no one who has left homes, families, mothers, fathers, wives, children, for my sake and that of the gospel, who will not have those things added to them a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come with persecutions added. So there is in the mind of the disciples concern as to what indeed will be the reward. What is the benefit of giving everything, foregoing everything of the world in the worldly sense of riches and stature in exchange for Jesus? So Jesus gives us this parable. And he presents us with two types of economies. One is the economy of exchange, and one is the economy of gift. The economy of exchange entails a tit-for-tat relationship. I'll give you this if you render me this and vice versa. But always in the economy of exchange, it's always to the benefit of the owner, the one who's in charge. He will always come out on the top, albeit there will be an agreed-upon payout for those who will render a service. In the economy of gift, it is not based on tit-for-tat. It is solely based on the disposition of the owner. 
in what he chooses to do in his generosity. For those who, mind you, these were all day laborers. That means in the, in the times of Jesus, and even I see that they have, if you ever drive on Elysian Fields Avenue, if you come off the I-10 going, going east towards like Brother Martin and so forth, there's, a, there's a, like a gas station right there at the base. And there are always, there's like some trucks that are parked there. These are men who are, they, they situate themselves there from early morning and they're there until mid-afternoon. These are what you would call modern-day day laborers. They come there, they're skilled laborers, and they look for someone to come along and pick them up and offer them a job, just for a contract, a quick, a quick you know, job for whatever. Maybe they're doing some roofing work or something like that, and they'll just come. And it's agreed upon, they agree upon whatever, and that's what happens. So that's, it's still in existence. But this was the reality of that time. These were men who did not have steady income, they did not have a steady job. They placed themselves out in the marketplace as available for labor, hoping for one of the landowners to come and call them up to invite them to work their land for whatever. So if it wasn't for the owner coming along and offering them employment, then none of them would have had an opportunity to work, be it at the very top of the day at 6 o'clock, much less in the last hour of the day from 5 to 6. So it is expressed in this parable that the landowner, the first ones that he called, he set up the, established that they would get the usual daily wage. All the rest from 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 noon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, right before 6 o'clock in the evening, which was when everything would shut down because the sun would set, they couldn't see, and they'd have to call it a day. And then it's time for the settlement of the payout. So only the first ones were actually told what they were going to get. Everyone else came along at the invitation of the owner who says, I will give you what is just. That's what he said to them. I will give you what is just. Come and work. And you notice each time he would go back, he asked them, why are you standing here idle? Why are you idle? Well, because no one has hired us, sir. You go and work in my vineyard. Now, what is it about this parable that shocks us? Because that's the key to every parable. The parables that Jesus tells us are parables about God's ways, the kingdom of God, not the ways of the world, not the kingdoms of the world, but God's ways. And if there was any reading that was presented to us today that really sets the tone for what the gospel is meant to flesh out for us, it's the first reading. For he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Ways and thoughts regarding what? God's mercy and God's generosity are not the ways of the world. They are the ways of God. And so, as we see this being played out, we first of all realize this is a landowner who is crazy. 
This is a landowner who is crazy. That's the first thing about this parable that should shock us. That's, the, that's meant, it's on purpose. It's meant to help us. This guy is crazy. Nobody does this. Nobody is going to give somebody who's been standing idle, who comes in for one hour, a full day's wage. You just don't do that. That's not good business sense. You would soon be out of business according to the economy of the secular world. But again, this isn't about the world. This is about who God is and how God attends to all of his creatures, particularly human beings created to his image and likeness. So he starts with those who are last and ends with those who came first. Now, to really get the sting of it all, let's think about this now. Those who were called first, they started at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they worked through it. I mean, they were going at it throughout the heat, everything to the end. And when they saw those who came in at 5 o'clock, getting paid the usual daily wage, well, you can understand how they would reason. So to be treated unjustly or unfairly, it would be either the one who is, the, the one who's looked at, who's seen as unequal, being made equal to the one that they're unequal to, or the one who is equal being made like the one who is unequal. But this isn't what it is. The key to the whole parable which is, again, meant to radically shock us. It's a reversal from what the world presents us with. He's getting us in touch with the way God operates. And so he asks the guy, he says, I have not done you a disservice. Did you or did you not agree with me for the usual daily ways? So this is not an injustice. This is not an injustice. They are getting the just wage they agreed to. The issue for them, and oftentimes for us, is that they feel like they should be getting paid more because they worked all day. This is about God's generosity. Because in truth, none of them, none of them were guaranteed work that day. It was purely by the initiative of God who is the owner. Jesus, extraordinary in his way, tells them, come. And isn't it something that the term is used, why are you standing here idle? I remember the saying as a child, my grandmother and my mom always used to chastise us when we would be sitting around doing nothing. You better get up and do something constructive. Find something to do. Because an idle mind and body is the devil's workshop. And that's the issue here. All of these day laborers who were standing there idle with nothing to do represent the whole of humanity who was under the grip of the devil, which the book of Wisdom, chapter 2, verse 24, I believe, if memory serves me, explicitly states that sin and death entered the world through the envy 
of the devil. What is it about envy that is so terrible? Envy, unlike jealousy. Jealousy is when you see something somebody else has and you would like what they have. It's okay. I mean, it's okay to, you know, you see something, you desire it. But envy is when you see someone's good fortune and you're angry about it. You can't stand the fact that someone else has such good fortune. It seems as though everything for them is going just peachy. <laughs> well, everything for you is just going the way it goes. This is about the gracious gift of God. Salvation, the usual daily wage in this parable, is eternal life, is the gift of heaven. When our first parents fell, what did God give to them? Hope. And then once things began to unfold, what does he present us with? Redemption. And then, as a result of redemption, what do we all have an opportunity for? Eternal life in heaven. Who of us deserves it? None of us. God didn't have to do anything. He chose to do it, hence the economy of gift. It's purely given. If you or I struggle with the reality of somebody who could have been a, prof a professional hitman for Al Capone. Just killed, God alone knows how many people. Professional hitman. And then there they are on their deathbed, calls for a priest, was brought up in a Catholic family now, had good upbringing, but for whatever reason chose that way. Calls in the priest, has true contrition, expresses his confession with sincerity, receives absolution, that hitman will receive the same heaven that Mother Teresa, St. Padre Pio, St. John Paul II, St. Francis de Sales, St. Francis of Assisi. Yes, the same heaven will be theirs. Now, will, we there, will there be time in purgatory? No doubt. But that's, purgatory is not the same as hell. Purgatory is a preparation to finish off what needs to be finished off in terms of purification of the soul so that it might enjoy the beatific vision, to see God face to face. It is the desire of God that all of humanity be saved. That's his desire. But we have the freedom to choose whether or not we're going to accept the terms of the invitation, which is gratuitous. It's a gracious gift in which when everything is said and done, everyone receives the equal presentation of the beautiful vision of God. Now, are there degrees of glory that will be manifested by the souls that lived more virtuously and strove after the kingdom of God earlier and for longer periods of time and so forth like that? Yes, there will be. But we won't be jealous or envious about that. We will be thankful to God that everyone had an opportunity 
to participate in the work of God in such a way that it would give way to a daily wage that is simply out of this world. You know, one of the children at the school mass last week, two weeks ago, he was so excited. It was his first time serving as, well, he was serving as a, as a mentor to the new ones coming on board. And he was talking to Miss Cece. He said, wow, Miss Cece, this is so exciting. I mean, this is something. What will, what will I get? What will my reward be? What will my reward be for being a good example for these coming up? <laughs> Before Miss Cece could answer, I said, Jesus is going to answer that for us in the gospel today. Blessed are you when all men persecute you and speak all type of calumny against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. Basically, I told him the same thing he told me in the seminary when we were in canon law class. Guys were asking about the retirement benefits. He said, what, you asked the canon lawyer, he says, well, gentlemen, I'm going to say this to you and understand me clearly. You're entitled to four weeks of vacation and Christian burial. He said, what? I'm going to say this one more time. According to canon law, you're entitled to four weeks of vacation and a Christian burial. As far as the retirement that you're looking for, it's out of this world. In other words, it's not until we complete the work entrusted to us, no matter when we have chosen to follow Jesus. Because that's really what this is about, right? Who are the first, who are the ones who were, uh, who were called into work early in the day? Our Hebrew brothers and sisters were the first laborers. You and I are the day laborers. We are the Gentile world that we're invited in. And it always happens. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Jesus loves to turn the tables on a world gone wrong in sin. For after all, today's parable is a parable about the kingdom of heaven and the one who owns heaven being like a landowner who is generous, very, very generous and merciful. So much so that there's always hope for the sinner who has repentance in their heart. God love you.